You're listening to the Harris Beach Podcast, a show that explores evolving issues in the law and how they shape organizations, the way business is conducted, and how we live and work. The information provided in this episode does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials are for general informational purposes only. Thanks for listening. Here's today's host. Hello, my name is Melissa Peterson, and I'm your host for today's episode. This was originally released on March 9th, but due to recent events triggered by the COVID-19 outbreak, a portion of this episode has been updated. I'm joined by Joan Sullivan, Harris Beach partner and leader of our Government Compliance and Investigations Practice Group. Joan, thank you for joining us again today. How is the pandemic affecting the lobbying community in New York? Thank you for uh, having me on again. I, I just want to say that the lobbying community consists of many businesses, both large and small, healthcare systems, not-for-profits, all of whom are grappling with the COVID-19 outbreak, just like the rest of us. As we all know, no one is immune from the business interruptions, and that includes the regulator, which is the Joint Commission on Public Ethics. So they're not now operating remotely um, as well. Um, they've done a few things. Um, in reaction to the crisis, one of which um, they've extended some of the time to submit lobbying filings. So there were filings for the January-February period that were due on March 15th, and they've now extended that deadline until March 31st. So if you are a filer, I would suggest checking with the JCOB website to make sure um, whether there are any further extensions. The other um, thing I've noticed in reaction to uh, the current crisis is I, I've gotten some questions about gift giving by registered lobbyists. So the, there's definitely been an increase in the spirit of giving. Um, many of these companies are very generous and they want to help in any way they can to the relief effort by giving to their state or county agencies that support our communities. However, under the Lobbying Act, there's a restriction for gift giving by lobbyists. They're restricted from giving a gift to a public official of anything more than nominal value, which has been considered to be $15 or less. So to facilitate this spirit of gift giving, the governor signed executive order 202.6, which suspended temporarily the gift ban to the extent that the gift is in response to the crisis and it's given to the agency to administer. So registered lobbyists can give under these circumstances. I see. As long as they make clear the gift is for a relief effort for COVID-19? That's correct. In general, in terms of lobbying compliance enforcement, what do we expect it to do in light of COVID-19? we expect enforcement to tighten or loosen? Well, in this COVID-19 environment, um, there's not a focus at the moment on enforcement. Um, we have not seen any enforcement actions on the past two weeks. Many of the, well, all of the administrative um, agencies and proceedings have been stayed, but this doesn't mean that they're going to lose interest in pursuing misconduct and any other violations down the road. So I would say to companies that they should remain mindful of their compliance obligations, keep good records. So 
when the dust settles, there's no questions when things return back to normal. All right, thank you, Joan, for this update. For more information on our firm's response to COVID-19 and resources we've gathered to support our clients, visit harrisbeach.com. Keep listening to hear the original episode. Hello, my name is Melissa Peterson, and I'm your host for today's episode. Today, Harris Beach partner Joan Sullivan joins me from our Albany office. Joan is the leader of our Government Compliance and Investigations Practice Group and a certified compliance and ethics professional. Joan formerly worked in state government for the Commission on Public Integrity, now known as the Joint Commission of Public Ethics, which oversees the New York lobbying law. Part of Joan's practice with Harris Beach is advising clients on lobbying compliance. Joan has written on the subject in the New York Law Journal and has appeared in a recent issue of Ethicos, a publication of the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics. Joan, thank you for joining us. My pleasure, Melissa. So a logical place to start might be defining lobbying and covering some of the unexpected or surprising situations that might qualify. Great. So that's a question that I'm asked all the time, and it's really not that easy to answer because the law in New York is so technical and dense, but I'll uh, give it a shot. So whether someone is lobbying is set forth in the legislative law. It's Article 1A, and it really depends on meeting a host of definitions under the statute. Of course, like any law in New York, there are a slew of exceptions and carve-outs, and then there's exceptions to the exceptions. But to simplify it, it really boils down to two things. One, you need an attempt to influence a specified government action. And not every government action is covered under the law. It's spelled out in the statute. The obvious one that everyone, I think, can relate to is influencing the passage or defeat of proposed legislation. But lobbying in New York is really much, much more than that. It includes an array of government decision-making. So, for example, government procurements, the attempt to influence executive orders, rate-making proceedings, Another example would be uh, the passage of regulations. So, for example, if a company wanted to call a state agency regarding the passage of those regulations and explain or advocate as to why those regulations would be harmful to their company, that could potentially trigger the lobbying law. Another area that's covered under the specified actions is municipal lobbying. And this really catches people by surprise because of the extent where municipal lobbying may come into play. So it would include uh, attempting to influence local laws or the passage of resolutions by a town board. So I think that catches people by surprise, the breadth of the New York lobbying law. The other requirement to trigger lobbying is that there's a threshold. So in New York, the threshold is quite low If an organization spends in excess of $5,000 in both compensation and expenses for a year, that will trigger the lobbying law. So you need two things. You need to influence a specified action, and you need to spend in excess of $5,000. So in sum, to answer your question, Melissa, 
the statute is very broad and people are very surprised to the scope that it extends. Okay. So to ensure that compliance is happening, can you tell us who needs to register as a lobbyist and why? It really requires a case-by-case analysis. Uh, You need to look at your organization. And the best approach is to identify those employees that are having those interactions with government officials and then look at the statute and see whether those employees are meeting those definitions. If you are meeting the definitions of what constitutes lobbying activity, the law requires you to register with the Joint Commission on Public Ethics. That's the entity that oversees the lobbying law in New York. And it would require the organization and the employees to register and then also file bi-monthly reports. And on those reports, you it's all about disclosure. So you need to identify who you lobbied, what you lobbied, when you lobbied, and how much money did you spend on lobbying during that period. Can you mention some examples of professions or positions that might need to be designated as a lobbyist registered with JCOP? Depends on your organization and what issues you have going on at the moment, but we've seen healthcare systems that have many lobbying issues, maybe before the legislature or issues that are involved in the state budget. And so they tap certain individuals to talk to public officials about those issues. And so that could be the CEO, that could be a government affairs personnel, um, employees employees that are having those kinds of contact with not only the public official, but sometimes their staff as well. Um, we've seen a lot of real estate developers registering recently because of land use issues that require municipal approvals. So it really depends on the organization, depends on what you're doing, depends on the jurisdiction that you're in. All those things need to be taken into account. It's been just over a year since New York State's first comprehensive lobbying regulations took effect. I remember that date, January 1st, 2019, and now we're well into 2020. So how would you describe the state of lobbying compliance now And what's the best way for companies to stay prepared and proactive? Sure, it's a good point. Last January, the Joint Commission, as you said, passed first ever new regulations on lobbying. So it took their past advisory opinions and guidelines that they've accumulated over the years, and they put them in new regulations. It took about two years to have passed and published, and it's caused a little bit of consternation in the regulated community because in some areas they've expanded the scope or the definitions of lobbying, Um, and there's other requirements that have caused some concerns as to the extent of what's required to be disclosed. And so the commission has promised to take another look, and they're going to go through another comment period on some of the regulations, not all. It remains to be seen what eventually will come out of that, but we're keeping our eyes on that. In terms of enforcement, it's been a a mixed bag. They, They allowed the regulated community a little bit of a grace period once the new regulations came out. They have enforced some of the new requirements, and I know one company was recently fined a penalty, and it was a rather large penalty. 
So I think there's going to be additional changes and I'm hoping for that they will clarify some of the regulations because some of it still remains unclear. In terms of what an organization can best do to stay out in front of these issues, I would just recommend education and training for your employees on the lobbying law. Like I said, it's very technical. And the best approach I think would be to start with talking to those individuals in an organization that are having those interactions with government officials, finding out what they're doing and um, taking a look at the lobbying law and making sure that you're not crossing any of those requirements. And if you are, to register and file those reports because it's all about disclosure. We also tell companies to monitor what their employees are doing just to get a handle on it and track what they're doing to see whether they have crossed over that threshold as well. Joan, what's the one thing you would want listeners to take away from this episode when it comes to lobbying compliance? Well, I think you can all get the sense that it's a very complicated area of the law. We get questions here at Harris Beach all the time, and it really will depend upon the unique facts and circumstances. So I think the best advice is to engage counsel um, and and take it from there. All right. Well, thank you for joining us in the podcast studio all the way from Albany. For more information, including how to connect with Joan, visit harrisbeach.com slash lobbying. Thanks for listening to the Harris Beach podcast. Be sure to visit harrisbeach.com to join the conversation and access show notes. Please rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast.